0: In Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read this opening story, this text today. This is part 2 of what we talked about last week. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1, verses eventually through 17. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and, here's the title of our message today, and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, that's about a half a mile, Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not passed this way before we drop down to verse 14 and it says so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. And then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over, million plus people, on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, We've been looking at uh, five specific instructions that God gave to Joshua that prepared them for this great event that we just read about, the crossing over of the Jordan into their promised land, that God had for them. You guys, you're good. We're done with you now, so good, 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 good. Unless you want me to sing again. Now this story has been 40 years in the making. Remember, it was Moses that led them out of 400 years of Egyptian slavery and bondage, and for 40 years, God's people, some, they estimate some 3 million of them, wandered around in the wilderness looking for the Promised Land. Now, what's remarkable is this, this journey should have only taken 14 days, and they turned a 14-day trip into a 40-year crisis. This has got to be the world's worst camping trip ever. (laughs) But now God's people are positioned for a new beginning. I believe this is relevant to us as a church. They're positioned for a new... Oh, I got to say, I believe this is relevant for you, your family, your home. Come on, your marriage, your business, what you're doing with your hands. Um, They're positioned for a new beginning, and they're about to cross over the Jordan into the land of promise, into a new season of their life, a season of expansion, a season of enlargement. But before they can do that, uh, before this can happen, God talks to them again about three specific things. We've talked about it for the whole year, and we're going to continue to talk about it. God talked to them about their yesterdays, their todays, and their Tomorrows. God talked to them about their yesterdays, that he had healing for their yesterdays. And you need to understand that God's got healing for your yesterdays. A lot of people are stuck in their past because of the failures and the abuses and the disappointments. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to stay stuck in your yesterdays. There is healing. Somebody needs to receive healing for their yesterdays. So God says, I have healing for your yesterdays. And then he talks to them about their tomorrows, and he talks to them that he had miracles. He said, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow I will do miracles among you. God wants you to get miracle minded. God, God wants you to begin to expect that every day of your life you can have supernatural help from heaven above. It's not just you going somewhere to happen, but it's you and your God going somewhere. Somewhere to happen. God says, I have healing for your yesterdays, and I have supernatural help for your tomorrows. Is that not exciting? You don't have to do life alone. And then he begins to talk to them about their todays. He talks to them about five specific preparations in the chapter, Joshua chapter 3 alone, or you might say responsibilities, things that they needed to do. See, God had already already promised to do something with their yesterdays, and God had already promised to do something with their tomorrows, but with God, it's a partnership. Mm, You didn't hear me. I said, with God, it is a partnership. You do your part, and then God will do his part, right? And he says, five different things I need you to do. We call them preparations. You could call them responsibilities in order for God to do what he has promised them to do. And we've been working through those ever since the month of May. And here we are on the fourth preparation, but let me just remind you what they were. The first preparation was your priority. If you're going to see miracles in your tomorrows, you've got to have a priority of what? The Word of God. That is the priority. You've got to be a Word person. The Word of God has got to be your manual for everyday living. And God says, if you'll obey my Word... Then I'll heal your yesterdays and I'll do miracles in your tomorrow. The second thing that God talked to them about was their preparation of their position, their their position, and that was a position to refuse to fear. You need to understand that the enemy puts on you what you don't want through the currency of fear. The currency of, of heaven is faith. You believe and that's how you receive what heaven wants for you. The way you receive from what the enemy wants from you is that you fear. The Bible says the very thing that you fear comes upon you. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee. I'm here to tell you the greatest picture of the devil himself is fear. And when fear comes knocking at the door, you say, I'm not signing for that package. I refuse to fear. I will not fear. That was the preparation of your position. The third one we talked about was to prepare your passion. You have to have a passion. It's got to be more than just football. (laughs) Uh, Some of you have put your passion in the wrong thing. That's why you're discouraged. And and God says, "I, I have miracles for your tomorrows. I got healing for your yesterdays, but I need your passion. And that was... Was, was talking about a full surrender to him, that, that, that God would be your, your one thing, that he would be your pursuit, that he would be your, your passion, a, a a Kadesh, it's a consecration, it's like, God, there's no other lovers, you are. Uh, Kadesh means a full surrender unto to God. And then the fourth one, we began to talk about it last week and barely got into it, but we're going to hopefully complete it today, is... Uh, This is a preparation of your pursuit, your pursuit. So we've dealt with priority, position, passion, and now we're talking about pursuit, and this is a daily pursuit of God's presence. This this is more important than you think because God's presence changes everything. God's presence changes everything. Everything. Here's where we see this, this truth, Joshua chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, "'So it was after three days they commanded the people, saying, "'When you see the Ark of the Covenant,' of the Lord your God, "'and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, "'then you shall set out from your place and,' what? "'Go after it.'" Notice what they're told. "'Do not let the Ark of the Covenant out of your sight.'" You must go after it. You must pursue the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we're not gonna do review a complete review of last week, so make sure, because we talked a lot about the Ark of the Covenant, what it represents, it's it, 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 the, the box in the Old Testament, we talked about how we're the New Testament box, but here's what you need to understand about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant simply represents God's presence. So what God is saying here, God is telling his people that they were to be a people in daily pursuit that they were to go after the Ark of the Covenant. And if you will have a daily pursuit of the presence of God, I'm here to tell you, God's got healing for your yesterdays. And He's got miracles and supernatural help for your tomorrows. So it wasn't enough just to have the box, but you have to go after the box. Because what God was teaching them is that this box was to be experienced i've come again today to remind somebody that god's presence can be experienced christianity is to be experienced Uh, psalms chapter 34 verse 8 says oh taste and see that's an experience oh taste and see that the lord is is good In fact, we we, we taught this last week that one of God's names revealed in the book of Ezekiel is Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah or Shammah, some would say. What does that mean? That means the Lord who is there. But a literal translation of Shammah or Shammah is, 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 is the God whose presence can be felt, can be and we talked much about that last week and I don't want to go into that this week but I do want to say something new concerning God's presence because the Bible talks about two types of presence uh, uh, of God. In the Bible it talks about two types of presence of of God. The first one is what you would call the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence of God. David talked about this presence in Psalms 139 where he said, where can I go from the presence of God. If I go to the, to, to the highest mountain, He's there. If I go to the lowest valley, He's there. If I, if I make my, my bed in hell, He's there. That, that, that's, the, that's, that's the presence of God that says, uh, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He knows where you're at. It's not, it's not that you're feeling the presence, but He knows where you're at. And wherever you go, oh my goodness. Oh, wherever He goes, He's got your address. He is the omnipresence of God. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And wherever you decide to go, He's there. He's got, he's got His eye upon you. But the Bible talks about another type of presence that we would call the manifested presence of God. The manifested presence of God. The Bible says many, many times that God would manifest Himself to you. Uh, to manifest means to bring out of the unseen into the realm of the seen. To manifest means to bring out of the unknown into the realm of the known. To manifest means to bring out of the unheard into the realm of the heard. So for God to manifest Himself to you means, listen to this, means that God makes Himself real to your senses. You've something, you experience, oh my goodness, it's one thing to have the omnipresence of God, it's a whole nother thing to have the manifested presence of God, where you're seeing things that you would not see, and you're hearing things that you would not hear, and you're, you're knowing things that you would not know, because God is manifesting Himself to your, to your senses. The manifested presence of God is what a Christian should experience every day of their life their life wow that's better preaching than you're shouting now to experience God's presence the manifested presence of God you're going to have to go after it you're going to have to pursue his presence or or another way of saying it you have to acknowledge his presence last week we talked much about that the important truth that you do not experience what you do not acknowledge you do not experience, uh, is this teaching okay? I'm laying a foundation, we're going somewhere. You do not experience what you do not acknowledge. Me and my wife can go home today, it's only me and her in the house, but if I don't acknowledge her today in that house, I will not experience her today in that house. Oh, but if I acknowledge her, say, hey baby, you're looking good today. I might have some experiences today that are... Oh, you bunch of religious people out there. Bunch of religious people. What you do not acknowledge, you do not experience. If you want to experience the presence of God, you have to acknowledge the presence of God. That's why Proverbs 3, verse 6 says it this way. So in all your ways, know, recognize, and what? Acknowledge Him And then guess what's going to happen? You're going to experience Him, acknowledge Him, and He will, you're going to experience this, He will direct and make straight and plain your past. If you want to experience God making plain your past, then you've got to act like He's alive. You've got to act like He exists. You've got to act like He's a big deal because you can live your life and never acknowledge Him and never experience Him. Omnipresence, he knows where you're at. You know He, you know he can's out there somewhere. But if you want the manifested presence of God that invades your senses, to have an experience, to know things that you do not know, to experience things that you, that, that you, that you do not experience on your own, that, then you're going to have to go after God. You're going to have to acknowledge him. James 4, verse 8. Move your heart closer and closer to God. And what's going to happen? And he will come even closer to you when you acknowledge Him, go after Him, right? So, this is a powerful verse. Let me just throw this in just as a side note. According to this verse, you are the one that determines the level of relationship that you have with God. In other words, you really have as much of God as you want. You determine that relationship. The, 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 the more hungry you are, the more hungry that, that you are for God. The more of God you get in your the more you acknowledge him, the more he the closer you get to him, the closer he gets to you. Come on, you you have to go after it. Don't, don't give me that. Oh, I need more of God. Well go after God. Pursue God. Spend time with God. Act like God exists. We all determine the level of the relationship we have with God. You can't blame it on anybody else. What you acknowledge, you will experience. You have to go after God. So let me see if I can just give you these quick ones. So, so how, how do we go after God? Last week we gave you four quick ones. I won't, I won't teach them again. Because they're so, they're so simple and we all know them. Uh, uh, and that's why we don't do them. Um, to acknowledge God's presence so that you can experience God's presence, there are four specific things. Number one, you, 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 you acknowledge Him by hearing God's Word. Most of us don't have time to hear God's Word. That's why we're not experiencing God. But if you ever realize that this could be a game changer... Here's celebration, that's why we read a chapter every day. Every day we read it together. We watch our devos together. Why? Because if we'll acknowledge God, we will experience God. Hearing God's word regularly is encountering his presence regularly. The second way that you acknowledge God is by being a person of prayer. Has it come back to that? Woo! Prayer and Bible reading. <laughs> like, what did you think it was going to be? Right? Like, like, if you're not wanting to talk to him, do you think he's wanting to talk to you? That's what prayer is. So how do I acknowledge God? Act like he exists. Get out of bed and say, good morning, God. How are you doing today? I magnify you. I worship you. Lord, I live for you. My body's not for for all this other crazy thing. My body is for the Lord, and the Bible says if my body is for the Lord, then the Lord will be for the body, and we can have a great day today because I'm, I'm acknowledging Him. So we won't, we won't, so the third one was, is through your worship and praise. Your, your worship, and, I need to, I probably need to stop and spend a lot of time on this. Because some of you even earlier is like, oh, how many songs are they gonna sing? because you came for a concert instead of worship. It's our worship. It's our worship that acknowledges him and once we acknowledge him, the more we worship, the more we... The church don't even... In just a moment, we're going to close the service. We're going to have one last song and I'm going to say, please don't leave. Let's stay put and let's just worship God and still knuckleheads will get up and leave. Why? Because they don't understand the power of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ worshiping. When you worship Him, He will manifest Himself to you. You might be walking out just one minute too soon when God was going to drop that answer right into your heart. All of a sudden, the unseen is the seen. All of a sudden, the unknown is known because you're just simply waiting upon him and not trying to get your kids out of children's church before the crowd comes. Woo, he's preaching good. I'm trying to be on my best behavior. I got guests over here. I got to be nice today. Come on, are you hearing me? You ever get a church starting to understand what true worship is and what that does and the honor that that gives God? I'm telling you, miracles will start happening. Manifested presence will start happening. We haven't even begun to worship like we need to worship. And when it's worship time, we ought to have our hands in the air like we just don't care, like He's the biggest thing. Because because that's the moment that's going to change everything in your life. You need God's help. You need God's presence in your life. But you don't have it if you don't acknowledge it. The the fourth one is huge. And and I want to just, I want to remind you, it's by your faith. It's by your faith. It's by your faith. Um, we, We talked about the story last week where where Jesus is preaching and the Bible says the house is full. We don't know if it's a normal type of house or just a facility, but, but it was jam-packed and, and four guys were bringing their, 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 uh, a man that was paralyzed and they bring him to the house and they, they try to get in the, the door and there's, there's no room, there's no room in the house and here is Jesus preaching the word of God and they can't get in through the doors, they, they can't get in through the windows and so they decide to go up on the roof, right? But but let me read this verse to you because this is what it said about that service that was taking place, much like what we're doing here today. This is what it said about that service that was going on. It says, and the power, Luke 5, 17, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice his presence was there to do something. When God's presence shows up in your life, it's always there to do something. It's always there. What do do you need today? You need healing? His presence will provide it. You you need provision? His presence will provide. Do do you need restoration? Do do you need some joy? Everything that you have need of, we showed you last week, is found in the presence of God. Notice it was there to heal who? Them, plural. It was there to heal not just one person... It was there to heal. It's a, it's a jam-packed crowd. Jesus is preaching. Things are happening. And the Bible says that his presence was there to heal them. But notice what happens. They lower this paralyzed man down through the ceiling. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped preaching. And he looks at them. And he, he, says, he says, oh, my goodness. This is powerful. He says, he says, it's your faith. The Bible says seeing their Faith, he looks at the paralyzed man. So they lower him down through the roof, and the Bible says, Jesus, stop preaching, because he was seeing there." their faith, and he says to the paralyzed man, stand up, take up your bed, and walk. And the man was instantly healed. But what's remarkable about that story is that the power was there to heal them, but the Bible only records him. It's possible for you to be in a room like this and one person to get healed and you not to be healed. Why? Because you're not releasing faith and belief. The Bible says seeing their faith, he stops preaching and he looks at the paralyzed man and he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Why? Because of the man's faith. It's possible to go to service after service after service and be secretly scrolling, and flipping, and distracted, and release, no faith. And yet the presence of God was there to deliver. The presence of God was there to heal. The presence of God was there to prosper. The presence of God was there to change your business. The presence of God was there to change your marriage. The presence of God was there to bring your kids back home. The presence of God was there to break the addiction. But you didn't get it, because you did not release faith. We need faith. Come on, we need some faith because faith places a demand on the presence of almighty, almighty God. God's presence changes everything. One of the greatest understandings that you could ever get about God is this. God's presence, it changes everything. It's the greatest miracle you could ever experience. The miracle of God's presence living with you, living upon you flowing through you to affect everything that you do. The Bible says this, it's remarkable what the Bible says. It says, to find or to experience the presence of God is to find life itself. People are looking for the meaning of life all the time. What is life all about? The Bible already tells you what life is all about. When you find the presence of God, when you experience the presence of God, the Bible says you actually find life itself. Self. have you ever been in his presence have you ever experienced God's presence it's a game changer you are, you are never more fully alive than when you are in his presence and when you're not in his presence you're in a miserable existence hello we talked so much about in fact let's just throw those up on the screen I'm trying to get to my points but This is what God provides in his presence. Let's just give these charts and so if you have your phones, you could you could take a pic. I know they've been posting them. All these things are provided in God's presence. All these things. Go, Go to the next one. In God's presence, your sins are washed away. Your past is erased, your future is revealed, your priorities are put in proper order. Your flawed thinking is corrected. Your identity as a child of God is revealed. Your destiny. Is anybody looking for destiny? It's discovered your enemies are exposed, your lack has to get back. Somebody needs to hear that one. Your lack has to get back. Your pain can't remain, the fear must disappear, your poverty becomes abundance, your weakness turns into strength, your depression turns to joy. Your depression turns to joy. Some of the most saddest people are church going people. That should not be so. We should be the most joyful, the happiest. The Bible says it actually is the greatest testimony of Jesus, that your life is full of joy. People should be looking at you say, I want some of that. I think they look at the church and they go, I don't want any of that, right? That's, that, the world looks at the church and they see the, the, the backbiting and the gossiping and the complaining and the, the uh, and they see sadness and discouragement and depression and you think they want what we want, what we have. The greatest testimony of your Lord Jesus Christ is that you've you, you got joy in your heart. You've got happiness in your life. You have clarity for your tomorrows, amen? Now, let me give you two big ideas. Let's see if I can do it in 10 minutes. Good, no doubt and unbelief here. Good, good, good. Let me give you two big ideas from the text why God's presence is so important. We showed you many things that the the presence of God brings, but let me give you two main big ideas from the text. Why is God's presence so important? Let me give you the first one. So you can know what God knows. So you can know. Why is His presence so important? Why have we spent so much time in this foundation? Because of this truth right here. God's presence in your life is so important Important. Why? So you can know what God knows. We find it here in Joshua 3, verses 3 through 4. It says, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and what? Go after it. That's our pursuit. Notice why. Why are we pursuing? Why are we going after it? That you may know, that you may know, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. So Joshua tells God's people that God's presence would go before them. In fact, in this same chapter, verse six, verse 11, verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, they all basically say the same thing. Follow the ark, go after the ark, pursue the ark, keep the ark out in front of you. Why is this so important for these people? Why is it so important for you? Because God's people are facing here the unknown. They don't know. They have never been this way, according to the text. They've they've never been this way before. They don't know where they're going. Thus, they don't know how to get there. Oh, but God is revealing in the text to them that he knows what they don't know. That's why they are to be in pursuit of God's presence. Why are you to be in pursuit of God's presence? So that you will know what God, what God knows. This is probably, and Tom, you can come back and we'll kind of make them think we're quitting here. Probably one of the most important things that I'm going to say today is this statement right here. The greatest thing to know is what you don't know. The greatest thing to know is what you do not know. You will never be smart until you can admit what you do not know. It's the truth. Oh, we're so good at it, aren't we? We're so good at bragging about what we know, even though we don't know. Right? Isn't that the truth? But can I remind you, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you need to know. And that's why you need to pursue the presence. I said, that's the reason why you need to pursue the presence of God. Um, God's presence is how we know what God knows. The text says that, that God's presence will show you the way. It'll show, show, show you've never been. It'll, it'll show you. See, some of the, you, the, some of you ought to start smiling because you, you came here. God, God, I need to know. We're, we're telling you how to know. We're telling you how to know what He knows. Yeah, but I thought it'd be something easier, something funner. Pursuing God's presence will help you know. Yeah, that means you're going to have to worship. That means you're going to have to get hungry for Him. To know what he knows, then you're going to have to open your Bible and start, Oh, come on, you're going to have to start talking to him, acting like he exists. You're going to have to get some faith and some expectation and acknowledge him so you can experience him. Why do I need to do that so that I know what he knows? So here's the truth you may not know, but you know the one who does know. Now, this is what's remarkable about this story. Let me just breathe and slow down because this, this is powerful truth. What's remarkable about this story is that uh, Joshua, it'd been easy for Joshua to say, I've got this. I, I know where we're going. Remember, Joshua has already been to the promised land. He was one of them that spied it out years earlier. He, he, he knows how to get to the promised land. He knows how to get there. He knows the way right Joshua Joshua also has had a mentor by the name of Moses so so he knows how to how to part Red Seas remember Moses takes the staff and 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 puts the staff over the Red Sea and the Bible says the Red Seas part so Joshua knows he he knows he could have assumed that he already knows he he's already been to the promised land he knows how to part the waters if it worked for the Red Sea then it's going to work for the Jordan so so he knows so Joshua could have assumed that he knows and that the Jordan River would be parted the same way, but this time, according to scriptures, God isn't using Moses' rod. And wouldn't it have been stupid to act like you know and go to the Jordan? And three million people look at you like, Joshua, what's going on here? Well, it worked for Moses, and and, and I think that's what the church is doing. We show up, and we've been doing this for years. Oh. Come on, it's... This is how Moses did it. Yeah, but you don't know what you don't know. But he knows. And if if you'll start acknowledging him, he'll show you what you don't know. We're still trying to use the rod. And God said, you're not using the rod this way. This time you're going to have to get wet. You're going to have to wade out into the... They're not going to be able to do it like Moses did it. You see, God doesn't want you to... Put your faith in methods. Joshua could have said, I know how to do this, but, but according to God, God says, you don't know. But jo- Joshua could, because that's what we do. I, I know, I've, I've lived life long enough. I'm, I'm, I'm 80 years old now. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But you don't know what you don't know. And the greatest thing that you could ever have is to know what you don't know so that you can know what you don't know so that you can get where you've never been <laughs> oh how we like to put our faith in methods right i don't know if you've ever studied jesus's life but he commonly healed people in the new testament the blind he constantly heal the blind people but did you know every time he healed the blind people he did it a different way i mean sometimes he touched them sometimes he would pray lay hands on them sometimes he would speak to them sometimes he would make mud pies and then put it on their eyes and, and other times he just spit on their eyes he did a he he changed his methods every time why it's not the method that has the power it's our god that has the power And just because Moses used a rod, Joshua, you're not using the rod. You're gonna have to go out into the Jordan and you're gonna have to get wet. So there are just things we do not know. God is telling Joshua and the people, Moses' rod might've worked last time, but it's not gonna work this time. So follow the ark, pursue the ark, Joshua. Keep the ark out in front of you so that you can see it so that you will know the way to go. Can I just, are you you okay? I'm running out of time, huh? Do you want me to do it next week? I can't do it next week, so we got to finish. Ten minutes. You said you gave me ten minutes, right? All right, ten minutes. Do you remember he said to stay a half a mile away from the ark? Now, we understand you don't come near the ark because it's holy, but but really it's more of a practical reason than that because he tells you why he doesn't want you to get too close to the ark he says so that you might know or that you might be able to see the ark. In other words I want your gaze on the ark. If three million people get too close to the ark then you don't see the ark you see people. And you'll start following people and not the ark. And that's what's That's what's messed up a bunch of our lives. We started out following God, but then somehow along the journey, oh, where yet, Tavo. Somewhere along the journey, we got our eyes off the wrong off the right thing and on the wrong thing. We started following people. So he said, everybody stay back so everybody can get their eyes on the presence of God. Let God go ahead of you. Follow God. That way. Wherever that ark goes, you go. If it takes a left, you take a left. If it takes a right, you take a right. When the ark says, do this and do that, that, that's what you do. You you just do what the presence of God says to do. So I've come today to tell somebody. Real quiet now. i got to make sure. I, I've been waiting since May to say this. I've come to tell somebody today where this church is going. If you remember, we started this series. I said, we're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about the things that really matter to us. And I'm going to give you some vision and direction where the church is going. And it's taken me since since May to get here. So are you ready? Are you listening? Because I need you to write it down. I'm getting ready to tell you where we're going as a church. Are you ready? I really don't know. I really don't, oh, I really, somebody ought to say, I really don't know. But I know the one that knows, and my eyes, and my eyes, and my eyes are on Him. I'm done acting like I know. We don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. But we have the access to the one that has the answers. And here's the problem. With professional Christians, we spend our life trying to get God to bless what we know, our plans and our ideas, instead of getting God's plans and knowing what He knows. Don't we? We try to get God to bless our mess, what we know. Instead of saying, God, what do you know? God, we're not using Moses' rod this time. Really, Lord? We're going to have to get wet. Yeah. If, if you want the Jordan to part, then you can't deal with the rod. Why is the presence so important? So that you will know what God, what God knows. I, I, think, I think we need to quit acting like we know. We don't know like we need to know. Now you can act like you know or you can know what God knows. But you can't have both. You can act like you know or you can know what God knows by pursuing His presence. Let me just slow it down here because I'm not getting the point too. I'll have to come back and teach it. I don't know what I need to know. But I know the one that knows it all. And if I'll pursue him, if I'll go after him, if I will acknowledge him, guess what? I'll start knowing. That's what it it means to, to experience the presence. Some of you crazy people have made the presence a goose bump. No, it's an answer to your marriage. It's an answer to growing that business. It's the answer to helping your children. It's to know what you don't know. That's why we pursue the presence of Almighty God. It's not just to feel good about ourselves, but it's to understand what He knows. It's to know what He knows. So I want you to say this with me. Say, I don't know, but I know the one who does know. Say it again. I don't know, but I know the one who does know. Come on, this is good therapy. Come on, you're not even have to pay for this this morning. Say, say, I don't know, but I know, but I know the one who does know. Listen to me as I close. The unwillingness to say, I don't know, can destroy a family. It can destroy a marriage. It can destroy your business. It can destroy so, so, so much. It's only when you can admit what you don't know And that God knows that things can really change in your life Uh, give me Bible on that well I'm glad you asked Romans says Romans 8 it says for we do not know what we should know so what we do is we pray by the help of the Holy Spirit oh there's that word pray we pray by the help of the Holy Spirit so, so we don't know what we should know, so what are we going to do? We're going to acknowledge Him. How? Through prayer, and we begin to pray by the help of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, answers begin to come into our life. The Bible says, Jesus Himself said to His disciples in John 16, He says, when I leave, another's going to come. He's going to be the helper. He's going to live on, on the inside of you, and He's going to show you things. He's going to help you. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you, and He's going to show you things things to come. Why do I need the presence of God? So that I'll know what God knows. Instead of faking it and acting like I'm all that in a bag of chips, I'm just going to humble myself. My, 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 my son says something that really has shaken me lately. We was, we was up camping not too long ago and he, he knew the situation we're in as a church in transition and and uh, hmm. that's the reason why we're, 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 we're believing for God's word. We got, our best days are ahead of us. God is accelerating our destiny. But it's a little scary, to be honest with you. And, and he said, Dad, I really believe. I believe what it's going to take is not courage to move forward. It's going to take Humility. He says, I really believe the answer is not courage. The answer is really humility. I went to study, I went to study the word on that because he, it, just, it just was like putting a knife in me because humility says, I don't know. Pride would say, I got to act like I know, so I impress you. But humility says, I don't know. And when you come to that place, then all of a sudden you can know what you don't know. But if you already know, God says, see how that rod works for you. And here's what I found out about Bible courage. Bible courage is not muscling it through. That's what we think when we think courage. Muscle through, muscle through, muscle through. Do you know what Bible courage is? Humility. To say, Lord, I don't know. But I know the one who does know. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Say, I don't know, but I know the one who does know. Some of you are so good at knowing everything. Your homework today is to just slow down because maybe you don't know what you need to know. That's why the presence is so important. Where we going pastor what are we gonna do i don't know but i could promise you one thing 24 7 this guy is pursuing the presence of almighty god and i'm gonna know what he knows so that when it's time to know it i'll know not to put up the staff i'll know to wait out in the water so the waters can be When it's time for us to know, He'll let us know. But until then, we are pursuers of presence. God's presence. We we go after it. We go after God's presence. Do you know what point number two was? It's as good as the first one. Come back, and we'll talk about it eventually. Father, just that verse. Got it? Just that verse.
1: Father, I'm returning.
0: Come on, just stay with us just for a little moment here.
1: To the things I used to
0: do. Come on, this is worth coming to church for right here. Let God do something in your heart.
1: Somewhere on the journey. I think I lost hold of the truth. Because nothing really satisfies, like when you speak my name to so tell me that you'll never leave. Everything will be okay
0: now, Come on raise your hands now In
1: your presence
0: Come on this is how we acknowledge him Our
1: fear is gone in your presence Oh yes Oh
0: This is how we know
1: In your presence. What we need to know This
0: is how we know what God knows
1: This where I belong In your presence
0: throughout the summer I began to listen to this song again just because of this verse this has been my prayer I hope you'd make it your prayer today I I know you think you're already right and everything's good and everything's fine and you got your retirement everything's in order but but you don't know what you don't don't know you think you're a self-made person but you don't know what's around the corner and the only way you're going to know is to be led by the almighty God his spirit so instead of trusting in ourselves, maybe what we need is not the courage maybe we need the humility to say let's say it Tavo
1: so father I'm returning
0: that's our prayer
1: Things I used to do Cause somewhere on the journey I think I lost hold of the truth Cause nothing really satisfies when you speak my name so tell me that you'll never leave oh yeah, oh, yeah. and everything oh will yeah. Be
0: just bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody looking around, believers praying. Maybe you're here in this room today and you don't have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him. In fact, you didn't even need the message. You knew you came today to surrender your life. If you're here today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to know what God is knows. The Bible says, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You do not live on earth forever, but you do live forever. You are an eternal being. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Or maybe you're you're here today and say I did that one time. I I live for God, but I I just really am in a backslidden state. I haven't been serving Him, living for Him. Amen. I need to just come and renew that right relationship with Him. On any of those two invitations, I look all over this auditorium, believers, praying. If that's you, and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you want to make Him Lord of your life, you want to know where you would spend eternity, so look all over this congregation, if that's you. You want me to lead you in this prayer? Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Raise it up and keep it up as high as you can. Believers praying, nobody looking around. Just keep it up. See all these hands right here, all these hands. Keep them up, keep them up. Hands right there, all kinds of hands here. Another 40, 50 hands going up. Wow. Wow, you can put your hands down. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Pray this prayer. Now, it's not repeating a prayer. It's believing what you're saying. Say say this with me. Say, Father God, today I surrender my life. I need Jesus. I need him to be my Lord and Savior. I believe he died for me. I believe God raised him back to life for me. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Father, forgive me of all my sins. And today, with your help, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give it up. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to SalvationChurch.cc/give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.